Luke chapter 3, verses 21 through 22, and Luke chapter 9, verse 28 through 36. Luke chapter 3, 21 through 22, and 9, 28 through 36. I'm going to ask that you stand, please, for the reading of God's Word. Beginning in chapter 3, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son. Whom I love, with you I am well pleased. And then chapter 9, 28 through 36. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I love, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. This is the word of the Lord. And so, Holy Spirit, now be our teacher. Be the one to translate this living and active word to uh, our hearts, which are not always living and active. Uh, Revive uh, dead things this morning. Uh, Breathe new life into us and allow... Uh, your streams of living water to begin to flow freshly in and through us for the good of your world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And you can be seated. Uh, So today is the first uh, day of a four-part sermon series. Uh, We're calling the sermon series Answering God, Cultivating a Life of Prayer. Uh, We're borrowing this uh, title from a book by... uh, Uh, author and pastor Eugene Peterson, and uh, uh, his book is titled by the same name. And we're going to put a a paragraph up here that I'm going to read to you. This is from the introduction of his uh, book. He writes, There is a difference between praying to an unknown God whom we hope to discover in our praying and praying to a known God revealed through Israel and in Jesus Christ who speaks our language. In the first, we indulge our appetite for religious fulfillment. In the second, we practice obedient faith. The first, that is the first type of praying, is a lot more fun. The second is a lot more important. What is essential in prayer is not that we learn to express ourselves, but that we learn to answer God. Peterson here is uh, reminding us, both in this paragraph and the title of his uh, book, that all prayer is an answer to God. That there is no praying that isn't answering God. God always speaks to us first. We never initiate the conversation with God. This is what theologians call revelation. That God is so other than us, so different than us, so distinct 
from us, that God has to reveal God's self to us in order for us to even know about God, much less know God personally. God is not simply a better version of you. God is completely and utterly distinct and different. The Bible says that in God, all things are held together. God is being itself, and without God, nothing would exist. So for us to know God, for us to hear God, God must be the one who speaks to us first. Are you with me? And so we answer God when we pray. And like we talked about with the kids just a minute ago, there are different ways in which God speaks to us, in which God reveals God's self to us through creation, through the, the, the presence and the, the prompting and the, the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life, through the living Word of God that we open and read together. God speaks to us through the presence of His community, of His people, those who will hold us accountable and encourage us and speak truth to us. And God speaks to us especially through Jesus. In the Gospel of John, chapter 8, Jesus says of himself, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Jesus says, if you know me, if you see me, if you hear me, then you know the Father. You know God. If you hear what I say, if you see what I do, then you have seen the Father. God always speaks First, God always initiates the conversation. Our prayer is always an answer to the God who has revealed himself to us. Amen? Amen. Amen. This sermon series is going to kind of interact with two big ideas. And so let me put both of these big ideas in front of you right now. The first I've already hinted at is this. God is speaking. And prayer is the way we answer. God is speaking, and prayer is the way we answer. Are you with me? God is speaking. Prayer is the way that we answer. Now, that's going to just sort of be our assumption throughout this sermon series. Uh, When Pastor Michelle and Ramelia and myself preach, we're not going to spend a lot of time unpacking that first big idea. We're just sort of assuming that this is how prayer works, that there would be no prayer if God wasn't speaking. And this is how we answer. But it's a big idea that you need to hold in front of you. God is speaking, and prayer is the way we answer. Here's the second big idea. When we answer God, things happen. When we answer God, things happen. There's nothing maybe especially profound about that. When you answer another person, something happens. When Maggie this week said, can I help you stand up off the couch? And I said, yes, you can. The thing that happened was that I got to stand up. It's not always so dramatic, right? I mean, just answering someone Make something happen. At the very least, words are spoken and heard and received or ignored. When we answer God, things happen. 
Because it's God we're talking about, the one who holds all things together, the one in whom we exist, the one in whom without there would be no existence. When we're talking about God, we can expect things to happen. Big things, powerful things, miraculous things, disconcerting things to happen when we answer God. The first big idea, God is speaking and prayer is the way we answer. The second big idea, when we answer God, things happen. So we'll take as our starting point these few weeks together that God is speaking, prayer is how we answer, and then each week starting today, we're going to dig into what it is we can expect to happen when we pray, when we answer God. So today, the first thing that we can expect to happen when we answer God, when we pray, is this. Prayer confirms my identity. Prayer confirms my identity. Jesus spent a lot of time praying. We find him throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in prayer privately and publicly. And like us, Jesus' prayers were answers to God's voice. We see this in our passages this morning. At his baptism at the river, on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, what we call the transfiguration. God the Father speaks and Jesus responds. Listen to what the Father says to his Son. At the river he says, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And then on the mountaintop, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. The father is speaking to the son. Jesus is listening. What does the father say? Simply, you are my son. God is confirming Jesus' identity. He's reminding Jesus of who he is. Now maybe we might ask, what was, was God doing this for the benefit of the onlookers? These weren't private moments. Jesus' baptism took place in the context of other people who had traveled from Jerusalem and the Judean countryside to the, uh, the, to the river Jordan to be baptized. There were other people listening into this moment. Peter, James, and John were on the mountaintop. God's voice in that instance acknowledges their presence. So, so was God saying, this is my son for their benefit, for the onlookers and the overhearers i'm sure they did benefit from it but we we notice that the focus the attention in god's voice was on jesus and more specifically on jesus's identity on who he is now maybe these two interactions don't seem to be good examples of our definition of prayer just a minute ago that prayer is answering god because jesus doesn't say anything in response to God's voice. You are my son. In both cases, Jesus doesn't say anything in return. But don't mistake Jesus' silence for a lack of a response. He, He does respond. After the baptism scene, Jesus responds by being obedient to the Holy Spirit and going into the wilderness for 40 days where he fasts and is tempted and tried by the devil. In the scene on the mountaintop, 
Jesus' identity is confirmed by the Father's voice, and then the text tells us he goes right from there down the mountaintop where he is confronted by a boy who is being tormented by a demon. And Jesus responds by liberating a young man who hadn't been able to be liberated by Jesus' disciples. So Jesus responds. He answers the Father's voice by being obedient to the Father, by confronting evil. And this is really important for us this morning. In prayer, the Father doesn't tell Jesus what to do. The Father didn't, at the baptism or at the transfiguration, tell Jesus, okay, now here's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to be led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know that wilderness where nobody wants to go, that place that's dry and dangerous and people avoid. You're going to be led there. I'm going to need you to not eat for 40 days. And at the end of that, here's what's going to happen. My enemy is going to come to you and tempt you in three specific ways. This is what's going to happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen on the, on the mountaintop either. The father doesn't tell the son, when you get down from the mountain, here's what you can expect. There's a young man there who needs rescue, and it's tough. Other people have tried to to, to cast this demon out. It's not been able to happen so far. So Jesus, here's how you got to prepare yourself to confront. It doesn't happen. In prayer, the father does not tell Jesus what to do. Instead, in prayer, the father tells Jesus who he is. And I hope you can notice that this morning. Because the result of this is that Jesus leaves the river and Jesus leaves the mountaintop not as an obedient soldier who now knows his instructions and what he's supposed to do in order to make the Father happy. No. Jesus leaves the river and he leaves the mountaintop as a beloved son, knowing that he can trust his Father and that his Father loves him. What about us? If you're like me, at least occasionally, you'd like God to tell you exactly what to do. Most of us this morning face a a, a buffet of complicated situations in our life. And it would be helpful, would it not, if God would not just tell us what to do in these situations. Say this thing to that person so they'll respond in that way. Don't go to that place. Go to that place instead. Yes, you should quit your job. We want God to tell us what to do. We go into prayer asking God to tell us what to do. But God wants to tell you who you are instead. Why? Well, for one thing, who you are is more important than what you do. And closely connected, what you do comes from who you are. And so God always starts with who we are and not with what we are supposed to do. The very final prayer that's recorded in the Gospel of Luke, it comes as Jesus is hanging on the cross. It's 
It's recorded in 23 and 46 of Luke's Gospel. Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The final prayer recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus' obedience to the Father. His decision to choose the way of the cross for you and me who were living as his enemies. Jesus' ability to obey all the way to the cross came from a place of profound confidence in who he was. He was God's son. He was loved and honored by the Father, and he knew that he could trust his Father's will. And from that place, from that place of intimate identity, our salvation was won. Amen? I think that God probably wants to say some things to each of us at the beginning of 2015. I, I, I imagine that for every single one of us here this morning, there are some things that God would like to say to us. But I don't know what those things are. Not for you. I don't know what the specifics are. But with 100% confidence, I do know that he wants to speak to you about who you are. That I know. He wants to tell you of his deep love for you. He wants you to know that you are not an orphan, but an adopted daughter or son with all the rights and the privileges of a king's child. With 100% confidence, I know that he wants to tell you that. And yet, despite how absolutely beautiful and true the Father's words are for you, despite how profoundly we each need to have our identities as God's children confirmed, this year you will forget who you are. We'll forget because we're going to get distracted. We'll forget because we'll believe the lies about our value and our worth. We'll forget because the wilderness gets oppressive and we'd rather stay on the mountain. We'll forget because at some point the Father's voice will just seem too good to be true. We'll forget because the news will keep telling us that evil is winning the day. We're going to forget. But God wants to take you some places in 2015. Some of the places God wants to take you, you will be excited about. They are places that you have been wanting to go, things you have been wanting to see, victories you have been wanting to win. But some of the places, some of the places God wants to take you in 2015, you're going to go, whoa, 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 whoa. This looks like the wilderness to me. Some of the places God wants to take you will excite you, will thrill you, and some of them will terrify you this year. 
everywhere that God wants to take you will be for your good and for his glory. That's not the question. The evidence is in. The cross is our final word on that. The question is, will you go where God wants to take you in 2015? Like Jesus, will you go where God wants to take you regardless? If you're going to go this year where God wants to take you, you're going to need to hear him over and over and over again. You're going to need to hear his voice over and over again saying to you, I am yours and you are mine. You're going to need to hear his voice reminding you, I bought you with a price. You're going to need to answer the one who says to you, you are worth moving heaven and earth for. You need to hear the one who says to you, you have a hope. You have a future. You need to hear, I have prepared a place for you. It's you that I want. You need to hear the invitation, come sit beside me, feast with me, take off your tattered rags and put on these royal robes. You need to hear the voice of the Father. There was nothing too costly in order to win your freedom. You need to hear him say to you again and again, I love you. You are my daughter. You are my son. You need to hear with absolute clarity. This is what is most singularly important about you, that I love you. If you... And if I are going to go the places that God is calling us to go with him in 2015, you will have to, you will have to, you will have to hear the Father's voice. Amen? Amen. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. I'm trying to say that if we're going to live from our identities this year as God's beloved and secure children then we have to answer God in prayer over and over again. We have to hear the voice of God confirming our identities over and over and over again. Anything less, anything less will cause us to pull back, to hesitate, to sit on the sidelines. We have to to hear the Father's voice. We have to feel the Spirit's breath. We have to be moved by the Son's sacrifice. We will need the poisonous lies of this world to be drawn out of our souls and our minds by the truth that comes only from the one who made us and who loves us. You will need to hear, you are my Son. You are my daughter. I love you. I love you. You are my son. In you, I am well pleased. You are my daughter. In you, I am well pleased. This is the most important thing about you. Period.
you will be told a whole lot of things about yourself this year. There will be lots of ways in which your identity is sliced and diced and marginalized and questioned this year. There is one who is speaking to you today about who you are. There is only one with the power to subvert every one of those lies, to clear away all of that clutter so that you can live with the knowledge and the confidence that the Son of God gave his life so that you, for all of eternity, would live out live out of your place in God's family. A son, a daughter, a child. Am I harping on this too much? Does anybody need to hear this this morning? So in a minute, Pastor Michelle and I are going to invite you to feast at the Lord's table to take in the body and the blood once again. This is the moment that makes true what is most important for you. So feast and celebrate at the table today. Amen? Amen. You don't come as a beggar today. You don't come as an orphan today. You come as a child of God with all the rights and privileges thereof. And so, God, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for saying true things to us. We thank you that you not only rescued us from death to life, you not only gave us new names and new hopes and new futures, you not only confirmed our our identities as forever children of God, On top of all of this, you continue to speak to us and continue to tell us and to remind us of who we are. And so may 2015 for each of us be a year in which we, uh, with some intentionality and with some perseverance, live into, through the power of your spirit, this identity that is ours. Forgive us, God, for treating it lightly. Forgive us for treating our place in your family as something that is uh, somehow cheap. Help us to understand what it is that we have come to possess in you. The future and the legacy and the history and the hope and the life that is ours because of who we are now. Spirit of God, Speak truth to us. Tell us again today how much you love us, how much you care for us. Tell us again today that there was nothing that could ever come between us and your great love for us. Speak to us today of your mercy and give us an imagination for living this year as those who know who we are who can stand with confidence before you, coming before our our, our Savior who says, call me friend now, standing before our Maker who says, call me Father now, standing before the, the Spirit of God who hovered over the uncreated cosmos who says, call me your Counselor now. Convince our hearts of these things that are too good to be true. Allow them to be the truest thing in all of the world for us. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.